Hello and welcome to Treks in Sci-Fi, show number 9 for November the 6th, 2005. Sit back and get ready for an all-next-generation Star Trek podcast. Make it so. She's a fine ship, Will. Yes, but she's not the Enterprise. I am Locutus of Borg. can only be one captain. It's not that simple. This was his crew. He wrote the book on this ship. Hello again, everyone. This is your host, Rico, for Treks in Sci-Fi. And this week's show, like I said earlier, is going to be all about Star Trek The Next Generation. Yes, Captain Picard, Mr. Worf, Data, all the favorites uh, of the crew of the Enterprise on Star Trek The Next Generation. This week we're going to be talking about the two-part episode, Best of Both Worlds, which was aired uh, at the end, the first part of it at the end of the third season of Star Trek The Next Generation, and the first, first ep- or the, sorry, the second part was the first episode for the beginning of the fourth season. But before we get into that, I'm just going to talk about one um, listener email that I got this past week. It's from Brian in Georgia, and he just says that he's really enjoying my commentary and podcasts about Star Trek and the collectibles. He says that uh, one of the things he's enjoying a lot is the commentary and the episodes because the DVD sets don't really, for Star Trek, haven't really contained a lot of commentary. And yeah, I understand, Brian, That's uh, it's a little unfortunate that they, uh, they haven't put a little bit more into them. I mean, the sets are nice, they have nice menus, and they have a few extra features and things like that. But commentary seems to be a little more reserved for, I think, movies a little bit, not so much for TV shows. And they, I don't, I can't see anyone going back and doing commentary on each episode that, um, you know, whether it be just people that worked on the show or actors or other people. I think it would be kind of a neat idea if they did more sometime or even made it as a download that you could listen to along with the, individual Star Trek episodes. Like, they're doing this now for the new Battlestar Galactica series. Ron Moore, who actually worked originally was, um, I think one of his earliest jobs was working on The Next Generation as a, as a writer uh, with Brandon, Brandon Braga on that show. But uh, Ron Moore has been doing podcasts for Battlestar Galactica, which are really, really interesting to listen to. He basically plays the episode. You don't really hear it so much, but you can follow along his commentary on the episode, and he'll give you a little behind-the-scenes stuff and how the episode maybe got changed from when it was initially scripted and so forth. Um, I highly recommend it. I, I I really enjoy Battlestar Galactica, the new series, and if you're if you're interested in a really interesting podcast, please check that out um, for his show, um, Battlestar Galactica. But we're really not talking about that. We're talking about Star Trek. But that was a um, just a little aside there that I had thought of of a good. A good source of commentary for a science fiction series that's available these days. I think since podcasting is relatively new and commentaries uh, for movies even is relatively an, uh, a new thing. Obviously the original series and even The Next Generation didn't have a lot of this material. You know, People didn't think, hey, let's save all this stuff and we'll, we'll release it on the internet and we'll do this uh, in the future for DVD sets. This kind of stuff was not really thought of then because it really didn't exist. So... Now for new TV shows, I mean, TV shows these days, 
like uh, like say for example Lost, they're they're putting all kinds of extra goodies on DVD sets because they are planning for it, and that I think is a key thing. But anyway, I just wanted to mention. Uh, thanks for listening, Brian. Uh, I appreciate your email. Now, before we get into the the meat of this episode uh, or this podcast, uh, the next generation shows. I just want to talk a little bit about the next generation. I'm a big fan of obviously Star Trek, the original series, especially, and a big fan of the next generation. I really in- enjoy a lot of their episodes. A lot of them, I, I think, are, are really, really interesting, good shows, very much deserving of. It's too bad they didn't win awards, but very much deserving of people to watch these even again in the future. And now um, I, I've been finding going back and looking at some of these old shows like I have been lately for the podcast, that they're really good. And these shows hold up over time. That's one of the nice things about science fiction type series. They're not very, um, they don't lose that as much, I think, as other TV shows might. They're not really set in present day, and I think, you know, watching something like a police show or a doctor-type show in maybe 5, 10, 15 years or whatever, it, it's not going to be quite the same and maybe not hold up like a, a science fiction series does, which is one of the appeals, at least for me. It's kind of timeless in a way. But I do enjoy the Next Generation crew. I, I've seen most of those actors at conventions. They're very, very nice people. Uh, I've, I've gotten some of their autographs even. And I, I think they just did a superb job. I mean, Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard, even though I'm a huge Captain Kirk fan and William Shatner thought he did great in that, uh, Patrick Stewart is just a very, I mean, he's just a good actor. He did a great job with Captain Picard in the, in the series and in the movies that they did. And when I, I think I've seen him maybe once or twice at a convention, and he's just a really, he seems like a genuinely nice person. He's really nice when he's answering questions of the audience. He thinks about his answers. He doesn't, um, he does joke around. I was, I was just going to say, though, he doesn't really talk down to people or the audience at all. Not that uh, other ones of the of these actors do, but I guess what I'm trying to say is he's, he's a very thoughtful, he, he's a lot like his character of Captain Picard. Um, I think there's a lot of good qualities in, in both of them. And I just wanted to mention that I, I think he's a really good good actor, and especially in the Best of Both Worlds shows that I'm going to talk about here shortly, he does a really amazing job in that. So, again, just say I'm, I'm a big fan of The Next Generation, have all the DVD sets, and we're going to get into Best of Both Worlds Part 1. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. You once knew him as Picard, captain of the Starship Enterprise. But now, he's half man, half machine. A deadly pawn of the evil Borg. His mission, to destroy Earth and anything or anyone who gets in his way. It's the showdown of the 24th century on the next exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, again, just a quick spoiler uh, alert kind of a thing. Uh, I don't know if I should really have to keep doing this, but I'm going to be pulling apart this episode pretty well, this and the next part. Probably not going to go into it, it as deeply as I have in the past because I'm going to try to talk about both parts of this show, of these episodes, in, in one podcast here and not go too much longer than normal. So, But again, just if you haven't seen these shows, go see them first because I don't want to spoil a lot of things for you. But with that said, uh, Best of Both Worlds, Part 1. 
Now, this story is a, is mainly, of course, about the Borg and the Borg meeting up with the Enterprise. Now, what had happened in a previous episode, uh, Q, who was kind of the nemesis of Picard and crew over the seasons and over the years on The Next Generation, had found that Picard and his crew, was they were a little bit cocky, he thought. So he flung the Enterprise, you know, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of light years away from their present location and basically met them up with the um, the Borg prematurely. Now, this in turn, what happened was the Borg became aware of, of, of humans and basically started going towards Earth. And in this episode, Best of Both Worlds, this is the first real confrontation of the Enterprise and Picard and crew with the Borg. They are... Um, first met up with an admiral and commander shelby who is this sort of brash young uh, aggressive female um lieutenant commander that really wants a first officer spot and she specifically wants riker's job you know riker is number one picard's right hand man first officer of the enterprise and you find out in this episode that uh riker commander riker has been offered the uh captaincy of another starship called the melbourne now, even though this episode involves the Borg and Picard and a lot of things go on and there's a lot of neat ship battles, to me, the, these two episodes are really about Riker. These are, I wanted to say before I get into that too much, that this episode, these episodes were written by Michael Piller. Michael Piller uh, was a tremendous talent. He just passed away uh, the last week or so, and I just wanted to kind of mention that I thought he was just a tremendous talent on Star Trek and other projects that he worked on that uh, he will be greatly missed in the entertainment field, and I was sorry to hear that. So, And I thought it was um, it was kind of ironic because I think when I planned to do these shows, that news, or I did not realize that, and then I found out about it, and you know the fact that he wrote these episodes, I kind of feel it's kind of uh, appropriate to talk about how wonderful these shows are. These are probably, to me at least, the best shows you know right up there at the very top of the next generation shows and he michael pillar wrote these so i just wanted to say that but getting back to this these two-part uh, best of both worlds this is a to me a riker story the whole thrust of this show the you know what happens eventually picard is separated from the crew of the enterprise riker has to take command getting a little ahead but this uh, the fact that Riker's been offered this other command, and you find out that he's turned down other offers of commands of his own, shows a lot of things about him. You know, they, it shows his loyalty to Picard, to the other people in the Enterprise. It shows sort of his hesitancy of wanting to get his own command. You know, he, he's there's a scene with Troy and, and Riker in this episode where he says he's she kind of says he's become comfortable, and she kind of means it in a good way, but he kind of takes it as hey, you know. I've gotten a little too comfortable being here on the Enterprise, and and maybe that's a bad thing. He says, you know, at the beginning and in, in in his early years there, he was a little more cocky, a little bit more, you know, don't uh, kind of take, uh, don't not be so careful. He was taking more risks, he says. But what happens throughout these these two part episode is you kind of see the old Riker a little bit come back, and you see that he is still got it. And I think that's a really good part of this show. You know, being the first officer, especially with somebody like Patrick Stewart and Picard above you, 
it, it's it's difficult. You know, that's a difficult spot to be in. He His captain, you know, Picard, the crew uh, are very loyal to him, and he's the man. And, and to be kind of second fiddle to that is, is a difficult position to be in. And you can see that he's, in a way, a little bit uh, uneasy with this Commander Shelby coming aboard. But to me, these, these episodes are really all about Riker and, and what he has to prove to himself to sort of get his edge back. Um, I'm going to talk about, uh, on a related topic to that, the next clip I want to play here is a little scene between uh, Captain Picard and Riker near the early part of this first part episode, first part of the episode, and their exchange on, on why uh, Commander Riker is still aboard the Enterprise. What the hell are you still doing here? Sir? You've been offered the Melbourne. I've decided not to pursue that commission at this time. She's a fine ship, Will. Yes, but she's not the Enterprise. With all due respect, sir, you need me, particularly now. Indeed. Starfleet needs good captains, particularly now. Reconsider your decision. Are you telling me to leave, Captain? I'm asking you to look at your career objectively. Well, you're ready to work without a net. You're ready to take command. And you know, Enterprise will go along just fine without you. Yeah, that's that's a nice little exchange there. You can uh, you can really get the feel for. Um, you know, that, that Riker doesn't really know what he wants to do exactly. Picard's trying to push him off in a way. And, you know, he wants what's best for him. I mean, he knows that, that Riker's fully capable of being in command of a starship. And he's he's trying to, to make him not stay on the Enterprise just out of any weird sense of loyalty or duty to, to Picard. You know, he almost comes off as being like, oh, I don't want to leave the Enterprise because it's sort of like a betrayal almost. And I think that's a good good exchange between the two of them, and, and I really like that. One little aside thing also I wanted to say was that, you know, the, the Next Generation in general is probably one of the, the series that's the favorite of the most Star Trek fans out there, I think. Um, but the first season, maybe the second season, it really didn't kind of start clicking, I think, with all the characters and the stories and that. There were some good stories in there, you know, don't get me wrong, but... By this season, this this episode was broadcast at the end of the third season. This is when the the series really, really started to take off, and really everything just clicked. Scenes and characters and acting, it just really all came together. So I wanted to mention that. But um, now we're going to get into when the Enterprise first meets up with the Borg and the Borg cube that's on its way to, towards Earth, and they're there to intercept it with Commander Shelby, who's this Borg expert on board the Enterprise. And here is a little exchange um, between uh, the Borg and the crew of the Enterprise, Picard especially. On screen. I'm Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc Picard, Captain of the Starship Enterprise, Registry NCC-1701D. You will lower your shields and prepare to transport yourself aboard our vessel. If you do not cooperate, we will destroy your ship. You have committed acts of aggression against the United Federation of Planets. If you do not withdraw immediately... You will surrender yourself or we will destroy your ship. Your defensive capabilities are unable to withstand it. What the hell do they want with you? I thought they weren't interested in human life forms. Only our technology. I really like uh, the Borg as an enemy for 
the Enterprise for uh, Picard and his crew. They are, uh, you know, it was a sign of the times. Again, I, I've said this in previous podcasts on Star Trek and the, and the kind of episodes and storylines that they do. But, you know, here you have a, a race that's sort of become cold and, and machine-like and has, um, you know, they just sort of go around and assimilate cultures. And, and the Next Generation broadcast in the 90s was, you know, technology was really starting to take off in ways that were unheard of. You know, the computer age, the Internet, all those things started to really come into their own. And you, you kind of, that kind of is reflected here. You know, they, they take uh, humanoids, humans, and they machine them i mean they put implants in them and and it's sort of like a matrix kind of thing like the matrix movies in a way where they um add machines to people to sort of make them in a way in their thinking at least better and without flaw at that point but another point to these episodes to me is that they're wrong in that that it's what um you can't let me say this the right way it is um, not not making you better by making you less or more programmed and less emotional and less uh, human. It's what makes you human that makes you special. And the only way really ultimately that Riker and the rest of them beat the Borg in this is, are those things. Their unpredictability, their... their the, the fact that they can create ideas that, that the Borg just don't see is, is what makes us special. And I, I think that's a that's an ongoing theme, theme in Star Trek in general, that they do those kind of things. And that is never really um, shown any more so than maybe in this two-part episode of The Best of Both Worlds. You know, just even the name of the episode, The Best of Both Worlds, is, is a play on Picard being taken by the Borg and sort of machined up a little bit by the Borg, Borgified or whatever they call it. And they're, they're, you know, Picard being sort of one of the best humans, you know, a captain of a starship, and then thrown in with the Borg, you have what appears to be almost an unstoppable foe at that point. You know, you have the experience and the tactics and the, and the knowledge of Picard with all the technology of the Borg. And the great thing about this, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but at the end of this episode, it looks pretty grim. You know, they've got Picard, they've got, you know, they, they, they've got this big cube, the Enterprise doesn't seem to be able to stop them, and it, it, it was looking pretty grim. So, with that in mind, I'm going to now play the clip that I have of uh, when Picard has been taken by the Borg, you know, they, they, they slip aboard, they, they beam over to the Enterprise, Onto the bridge, a couple of Borg, they try to stop him, but they grab Picard and transport back to the cube. And they basically turn Picard into one of them. And now he is no longer Picard, but he is Locutius. And I'm going to play that clip now. I am Locutus of Borg. Resistance is futile. Your life as it has been is over. From this time forward, you will service us. Mr. Worf, 
Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember back when I first saw this episode when it was originally airing, and this you know was broadcast in the springtime at the end of the season, and this was the last episode of the season, and they left it in this huge cliffhanger. The Enterprise had lost Picard to the Borg. Now he's one of them, and they are basically, the Enterprise doesn't seem to be able to do anything. Riker's there, kind of fumbling around a little bit, not knowing what he needs to do, and things don't look good. And it's at the the very end of this episode, you know, where they've created this uh, idea of a weapon to try to stop them, and Riker says, fire, and then they just cut and say, to be continued. Now, keep in mind that it's pretty commonplace these days. It's almost become way too commonplace to end the season of a TV series in a cliffhanger. I mean, gosh, everybody's doing it anymore, and it's it's almost kind of annoying a little bit to me because it loses some of the appeal of it. It's not so unique anymore, and you know that they're going to pull a rabbit out of a hat in a way. But back when this show first was aired, at least for me, and I, and I think this is true, this was not really widely done. It was not done in Star Trek. It was not done in, in, you know, with Green Eggs and Ham. It was not done at all. So, I mean, it was just very unusual. And it was it was kind of, to me, reminded me a little bit of the end when I first saw the Empire Strikes Back Star Wars film. And with, you know, Vader or Luke, I am your father type thing. And then all the whole mess and Hans and Carbonite and everything like that. And then we had to wait three years for the next film. At least for Star Trek The Next Generation, we only had to wait over the summer. But to leave people hanging like that is just, it's rough. And, and it was, but good. I mean, I think, the, I think the payoff for both turned out well. So now we're going to get into the second part of Best of Both Worlds Part 2. Here's the little last time on Star Trek. This is what they played at the beginning of the fourth season before the second part was played. So listen to this. Last time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Mr. Wolf, dispatch a subspace message to Admiral Hanson. We have engaged the Borg. Data, fluctuate phaser resonance frequencies. Random settings, keep them changing. Don't give them time to adapt. We're coming with every available starship to assist, Captain. But the closest help is six days away. All you know how to do is play it safe. If you can't make the big decisions, Commander, I suggest you make room for someone who can. If we can generate a concentrated burst of power at that same frequency distribution... How do we do that? The main deflector dish. Shelby to Enterprise. We found the captain's uniform and his communicator. Jean-Luc. We were unable to retrieve him, sir. The captain has been altered by the Borg. Will, he's alive. If we could get him back to the ship, I might be able to restore... This is our only chance to destroy them. If they get back into warp, our weapon is useless. I am Locutus of Borg. From this time forward, you will service us. 
Okay, so now we're at the point where Picard's over on the Borg cube. He's Borgified. Riker's in command, and they've fired their they fired their weapon, but doesn't do any good. And what they find out is that not only have they thrown all these little black leather and you know implants into Picard, but he also his knowledge is now their knowledge. Everything that he knows, they know. All the abilities of the Enterprise, the tactics that are normally used, the way the sh- what the ship was planning with Shelby's plan of this weapon out of the deflector, all that stuff the the Borg know. And Riker goes, "Well, crap, you know. I mean, they know everything that we know now." So the 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 key to this episode and the key to the the solution of all this is that Riker has to sort of, and I'm going to use a silly little catchphrase, he has to start thinking outside the box. He has to think on his own. He can't use the tried-and-true methods that they normally have employed in the past that Picard is well, well, you know, well familiar with. And he needs to be his own captain, come up with his own strategies. And again, like I said earlier, this is a, this, these are really Riker episodes to me, and that is ultimately what, what saves the situation and the plan that he comes up with. The kind of a key moment to that is there's an exchange with Guinan played by Whoopi Goldberg who I thought did a great job when she was on on the shows on the next generation she was a big Star Trek fan and kind of like uh, Samuel Jackson did with Star Wars and George Lucas she kind of basically worked her her way onto onto the next generation she had mentioned she was a big fan uh, one of her inspirations when she was growing up was uh, Nichelle Nichols uh, Uhura on the original series. You know, a black woman on the you know on the bridge of the Enterprise in sort of a high level position was an inspiration. So she she got uh, uh, this sort of recurring role of Guinan, this sort of ship's uh, bartender slash confidant with Picard. And there's a scene in this episode in Best of Both Worlds Part Two where she talks to Riker like she has quite often gone and talked to Picard. And I'm going to play that clip for you uh, right now with Guinan and uh, Commander Riker. Did he ever tell you why we're so close? No. Well, then let me just say that our relationship is beyond friendship, beyond family. And I will let him go. And you must do the same. There can only be one captain. It's not that simple. This was his crew. He wrote the book on this ship. If the Borg know everything he knows, it's time to throw that book away. You must let him go, Riker. It's the only way to beat him. The only way to save him. Yeah, that's that's a really nice exchange between the two of them. It, it shows a lot. It shows that she has a lot of insights into things that you know, a lot of people maybe don't. And the neat thing about her character is you can, you know, they were able to use her when somebody kind of needed a little nudge or a little push or needed to know something because she's this alien and she seems to know things that not everyone else knows. And kind of like Data in a way, she was a sort of a sounding board for things and for Picard. And in this episode, Riker, she is um, got a lot of knowledge and she is not uh, afraid of giving people what she thinks uh you know, a little bit of advice. She doesn't really tell them what to do, but she starts to tell them uh, what what they're maybe doing wrong and give them, you know, some friendly advice. And it's usually like, you know what? Yeah, 
I'm going to think about what you had to say and um, try to work on that. So, so that's a good part. I like uh, Whoopi's character. I like Guinan on these shows. I, I I really liked what they did with her, and I like Ten Forward and that set and all that thing. So, now we're going to move more a little bit further, a little faster along. The next part of the episode that I wanted to talk about is the, is the plan, Riker's plan. Now, uh, like I said. Uh, Commander Riker decides that he has to come up with his own sort of strategy, and one of what he does is basically he separates the primary hull from the secondary hull of the Enterprise. They they become two separate ships. Now, this has been done in previous episodes, and it was shown to the audience, and Picard was well aware of this, that when that happens, it means primary hull and most of the crew takes off in that, and that that's, that's not really important. That part of the ship doesn't have a lot of weapons, and it's not something to worry about. When that when that happens, the other section with the warp drive and engineering and all the weaponry is considered the you know sort of battleship at that point. So Riker does this and says, Hey look, here's the battleship, here's the primary hull floating over there with all the people in it. He basically sets Picard up. He says, Hey, we're over here, we're the bad guys, you know, and Riker is, is on the the battle part of the Enterprise, the, the secondary hull, and Shelby is left in command of the primary hull. But the twist on this thing is that Picard is wrong, that Riker is going to use both to their abilities and has some weaponry on the primary hull that goes off some antimatter spreads, they call them, and he, he bluffs in a way... Picard, he says, hey, you got to be watching me when he really needs to be watching the primary hull, and that's when they launch a shuttle to go save Picard. And he, he basically, it's a diversion in a way, and it shows, he you know, he uses the, you know, hey, let's uh, go evasive action, you know, Riker 2 or whatever and all this stuff. It, it's just, you know, talk, but basically it's, it's what I was saying, that Riker has his own plan, he has his own strategies, and he couldn't do anything that Picard was familiar with. So now I'm going to play a little bit of the uh, preamble to that attack plan by Commander Riker. We would like time to prepare our people for assimilation. Preparation is irrelevant. Your people will be assimilated as easily as Picard has been. Your attempt at a delay will not be successful, number one. We will proceed to Earth. And if you attempt to intervene, we will destroy you. Then take your best shot, Locutus, because we are about to intervene. Channel closed. Reset. Subspace communications. Scrambler code Riker 1. Scrambler code Riker 1. Acknowledged. Shelby, report. Ready for separation. Make it so. That's a good part. You can see that... Uh... Jonathan Frakes, Commander Riker, is getting confident. Uh, he's in command, and he's putting his attack plan into motion. Now we'll skip ahead just a tiny bit and play a little bit more of the whole plan of attack on the Borg cube to get Picard back and to uh, fool the Borg into believing uh, that the Enterprise isn't anything they really need to worry about, but it really is, and Commander Riker is doing um, the right thing. Here we go. Borg tractor beam attempting to lock on, sir. Invasive maneuvers. Pattern Riker Alpha. Riker Alpha confirmed. They're ignoring the saucer section completely. Just as you should, Captain. Ensign, evasive pattern, Riker Beta. Riker Beta confirmed. 
Proceed to second phase, Commander Shelby. Acknowledged. Fire antimatter spread. Then the um, the next phase of this is they've got Picard back on the Enterprise. The Borg cube decides that they don't really need to worry about that. It takes off still heading towards Earth. And then the next part is Picard in uh, sickbay with Data and Dr. Crusher trying to figure out what to do. And they, they try a few things. They talk to him. He, you, they, they notice that he's still basically in communication with the Borg collective, and they decide they could utilize that. Riker and the rest of them feel that if they know everything that Picard knew, that hopefully now Picard, who they feel is still down deep inside there and, and hasn't been completely lost, knows everything the Borg know, which they're looking for something that they can use against them or some kind of weakness or, or some ability and they slowly devise that the Borg is just like, sort of like a hive uh, mentality, that they all work together, and that everything that affects one will affect them all. There's, it's sort of like a, a network of computers, basically, is really what it is. And if you put a virus sort of in one, they'd all go down. And this has been done in uh, TV and movies, you know, in different ways uh, a few times. And what uh, Data comes up with, and at the very last minute, of course is he, he decides to send a command over to them to go to sleep, basically put them in sort of a regen regeneration mode to stop all their attacks, stop everything, and it works. And here's a clip from that little exchange. Sleep. He's regaining consciousness. Sleep. It's Captain Picard speaking, not Lacutus. Sleep, Data. He's exhausted. Yes, Doctor. But if I may make a supposition, I do not believe his message was intended to express fatigue, but to suggest a course of action. I really like I like the way they resolve this episode. I, I these are a couple of really, really good episodes. It it makes sense the way they do things. I don't think it was too hard or too easy or too unbelievable. I think they did a really good job with all the characters, especially, obviously, Riker, Picard. Um, a neat thing about this episode that, that didn't happen a lot, really, in Star Trek in general, was that, you know, what happened to Picard here by, you know, being captured by the Borg and everything they did to him really affects him. And the next episode, which they, is called uh, Family, Picard goes back to France uh, on Earth. Uh, the Enterprise is on Earth or in orbit around Earth being repaired from the Borg attacks. And Picard has this uh, dealings with his brother. I'll probably talk about this episode sometime more in the future. But it, it did deeply affect him. He, he really was, you know, violated and altered and, and probed and, and completely, completely um, taken over by the Borg. And you can see that he is not the same person. It really shook him. And they show that just a tiny bit in the end of this episode as well. But... That's it, I guess, the best of both worlds, parts one and two, Star Trek The Next Generation, end of season three, beginning of season four. Great shows, great job, uh, Next Generation, actors, crew, everyone that worked on these. I, I applaud you. This was uh, a wonderful set of episodes. I love watching these again and again um, over the years. I always pull them out every couple of years and watch this set especially. Really good shows. And now I'm um, going to take a short break. And I'll be back in a minute with the review this week of a collectible. I'm going to talk about the Star Trek Next Generation 
Phaser Replica from Master Replicas. Be back in a moment. And we're back. This uh, being the next generation podcast or trying to keep it all on that theme, I thought this week would be kind of fun to talk, to talk about a Star Trek Next Generation replica, which I don't think I've talked about one previously. It's been mostly uh, the original series and a couple other things. What I've got in my hand right now is a phaser replica. This is actually based on the first contact next generation first contact film that was an excellent film i really enjoyed it probably my favorite next generation movie but this phaser replica you know it's it's pretty close to the phaser replica or the phaser types that they used on the next generation in general this is the typical hand phaser let me just say first the uh, it's made by master replicas came out in originally in in 2003 and they did a really nice job with it. It has good uh, a good weight to it. It's painted. It's metal with a rubberized grip. It's uh, got all the nice details that they uh, showed on the ones they used on the the movie and the TV series. And they it's it's really nice. They've got electronics also in this. I'll play a little bit of that. You've got two buttons on it that control the power level that create an LED light. There's a series of sort of yellow green lights on it that light up as you change the power levels and then the uh, bottom row has a series of red LEDs that you can increase the power level to change the pitch and tone of the blast sound which they got a really nice feature here and it's got an overload setting which is what I'm going to play here that's what happens when you push the final button and, and have all the LEDs lit at the same time. But the it's sort of got a dark gray metallic finish on it. Uh, like I said, electronics with lights and sounds. It feels uh, it feels like a real nice piece, a real phaser in your hands. It's got a good, like I said, weight to it. That um, sometimes you know you see these toys that they put out in uh, toy stores. It's not quite the same. This is this is a high high-value, high-quality replica. These are no longer available at Master Replicas, if anyone's still interested. You can see them on eBay occasionally. I think it was a couple hundred dollars when it first came out. It takes a couple of batteries. because comes with a really nice display case. I'll put some pictures on the website for you. But they did a great job with this. There haven't been really very many Star Trek The Next Generation replicas that Master Replicas has put out, or anyone has put out. Roddenberry.com has some kits that you can build there from phasers to tricorders and communicators and that, but not quite. Um, Master Replicas has mostly been focused on the original series with the communicator and phaser tricorder that they've done there. I hope at some point in time they do a, uh, a tricorder, especially from the next generation. They had some really nice nice ones on the show with a lot of effects and, and lights and graphics and things on those. And that would be a nice thing to see. But take a look. Uh, tell me what you think. If you're a collector out there, if you've got one of these, tell me what you think. Send me an email. That would be great. Uh, I'd like to hear from you. I think that's going to about wrap it up for this week's show. Just want to thank everyone for listening. Please send me your emails. You can email me at treksf at gmail.com. 
or you can find uh, other information about the uh, podcast in the past and all that and podcast feed info at the website, which is www.treksf.com or just treksinsci-fi.com. Both of those URLs will work now. The Treks in Sci-Fi one will just redirect you to the Trek SF site. But please take a look at the website. You can find out all the information about the past shows there. Also, it's a new month. It's November, so I'd appreciate anyone that's listening to the show and enjoying it to go on over to Podcast Alley and vote for the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast there. And obviously, if you're there and there are other podcasts you listen to, please put your votes in and Make sure those people uh, know that you're listening and you appreciate their shows, too. And for next week's uh, podcast, for podcast that will be number 10, unless I do a little mini-show before then, we're going to talk about the original series episode, The Doomsday Machine. And the replica I'm going to look at for next week is the uh, Han Solo blaster made by Master Replicas, one of the first items they ever produced from uh, episode 4, A New Hope that blaster from that uh, that version because he had a couple of them throughout the movie so until next week have a good week everyone and talk to you later bye-bye this has been a rick dusty production 